This communication was prepared for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. All opinions or views reflect the judgment of the authors as of the broadcast date and are subject to change without notice. Julius Wealth Advisors, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. Our disclosure brochure, available at advisorinfo.sec.gov or through contacting us, provides further detail about our business services and fees. Welcome to episode 12 of the Big Bo Show, the final episode of 2022. We have a great episode coming up for you folks where we're going to have a trifecta of fun. We're going to go into a segment about finance, about football, and about food. And make sure you stick around to the end to find out what vodkas has to do with Abraham Lincoln. Sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 12 of The Big Bo Show. Julius Wealth Advisors. All right, so let's get into the first segment of the Big Bo Show, wrapping up 2022. And I want to talk about a topic that is current in the marketplace in the world of finance, or seemingly the world of finance. I'm not sure if it's really finance, but this is the current saga with the FTX collapse. Now, if everybody knows that FTX recently had what's called a run on the bank, quote unquote, which ended up taking the valuation of the company from what people thought was worth $32 billion down to bankruptcy in a matter of weeks. So how can this happen? And not only how can this happen, more importantly, what are the lessons that you can learn from this? Now, the first lesson that I think we all can learn and that I try to talk to people about and I was also reading an article recently from Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's right-hand man, and the article pointed to the fact that people think that greed is the root of all evil, but he pointed out that envy is the root of all evil. And I thought this dovetailed properly into what happened with FTX collapse, and in my opinion, the crypto world as a whole. Now, the past few years, people have been going gaga, if you will, about the crypto space. And in my opinion, a lot of this had to do more with, which I talked about on episode two, of fear of missing out, not necessarily because anyone did any sort of due diligence on the subject, but mainly because they are envious of stories they would hear from people that purchased Bitcoin or different cryptocurrencies at record low levels, and now cryptocurrency and Bitcoin were exploding to the upside. So this caused a lot of envy. And when you're trying to create sustainable wealth, as Munger pointed out, 
Envy could be the root of all evil and it could lead you to make mistakes. I want to point something out. So according to, I was reading a Fortune magazine article and they did some due diligence by looking at the average price that most people paid for Bitcoin. And that average price that most people paid for Bitcoin was $47,500. $47,500. Now, what, from my experience in this industry, everyone typically always tells you about their successes. Oh yeah, I bought crypto at 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. False. The data speaks for itself. Most people bought it at around 47,500 and it's now currently trading around 17,000. So that tells me the, the average purchase price of most people in this country or most people around the world are down 64%, 64%. And those are just the numbers. The numbers, not from your friend telling you what they did or your uncle, or your mom or whomever. These are the numbers. And when I, I always preach to people that numbers don't lie, people do. So when everyone's envious of something going to the moon, just sit back, relax and do some due diligence. And this also goes into the second lesson that you can learn from this is that you need to stay within your circle of competence or a philosophy that you understand teaming up with someone the philosophy that you understand or if you have your own philosophy and you understand it stick with it so getting back my philosophy my central philosophy and the philosophy that i distilled to people that are clients of julius wealth advisors is that we want to focus on owning the most profitable businesses and let those profitable businesses do the work for us. A profitable business and an asset typically kicks off cash flow. That means they have revenue, they have expenses, but at the end of the day, they make cash flow. And there was tons of people telling me, oh, you got to get into crypto, Bitcoin. Oh, it's the best thing since sliced bread. And my due diligence going back to my philosophy and i'm not trying to you know pound myself on the chest i'm just trying to teach people about how you have to figure out your philosophy and how that works but my philosophy says hey does this kick off a cash flow that's the first thing i look at does this business does this asset kick off a cash flow because if it kicks off a cash flow then there's a way to value it because i can essentially buy that asset collect that cash flow and at some point i'll get a return of my investment and then on my investment. And step number one for Bitcoin and crypto was that it did not. It does not kick off a cash flow. So there the due diligence ends. There's no there's no point of of looking any further in my opinion because this philosophy, which is again not my philosophy that I created, it's something that I've studied since I was 10 and this is the way Warren Beth Buffett and Charlie Munger also look at investments. Does it kick off a cash flow? Does it have, a, is it a profitable entity? Answer is no, move on. And then looping it back to envy. So if other people are making money on it in the short term and even in the long term, who cares? Because that's not in my circle of competence and I'm not gonna be envious of them. I'm just gonna know what I know, keep it simple, which I've always talked about also in the past, and harness the philosophy that 
I am comfortable with. Not that everyone is going bananas over. And this also brings me to something about, I would say, you know, this industry as a whole and, and something that I am very passionate about with this industry where I have my core values, integrity, knowledge, and passion is that it's a hone on that second one, the knowledge piece. So there's stories out there of top ranked venture capitalist firms that gave them, gave FTX ton of money, a lot of money. And they thought it was actually a comical how the head of that company was playing video games during, during their due diligence calls. And when I hear these things, it, it kind of just reminds me of like the blind leading the blind, people following the herd. So, you know, you have to understand what you're, what you're investing in. You have to understand who you're investing in. And you have to understand that envy could be the root of all evil to understand your philosophy a philosophy that you can believe in, that you can understand, that you can stick with, block out the noise, and understand what you're getting yourself into. And then maybe ask yourself other questions like, hey, Tom Brady, Tom Brady's out there promoting FTX and crypto and Giselle and Steph Curry. With all due respect to Tom Brady, which I'm a huge fan of, if I wanted someone to win me a Super Bowl, I would listen to Tom Brady. If I want someone to give me guidance on an investment. Sorry, Tom. I don't think that's you. Same thing with Steph Curry. I'm not a huge basketball player. I've always been more like a Shaquille O'Neal style when I was younger. But if I wanted someone to teach my child how to shoot, shoot a jump shot, or my daughter who's getting into basketball how to shoot a jump shot, I would ask Steph Curry. So again, understand people's circles of competence. And I'm not saying Steph Curry and Tom Brady like you don't know anything about investing, but it's probably not the first person I would ask about investing in good investments. So again, don't get envious and enamored by the shiny object of people, of celebrities that are marketing things. Because at, at the end of the day, I'll bring it back to you, you have to focus on your philosophy, what you can believe in. Does it kick off a cash flow? Is it a business? Does it have profitability? So let's take a quick break and then I'll come back with the second segment about football or maybe it's football. Growing up, Jason Blumstein had become accustomed to a life of financial struggle and frustration. His grandfather Julius took the time to teach him the difference financial literacy can make. Since then, Jason has Julius to thank for pulling him out of the mud and pushing him to become empowered, educated and independent. We want Julius Wealth Advisors to do the same for you. At Julius Wealth Advisors, we are committed to continuing the legacy of literacy and learning. Advising to us is much more than simply telling our clients what to do, it's teaching them how to do it. Our emphasis on client education is founded on the fact that we've seen its benefits firsthand. Our lives and our firm are built by the tools wise friends and family members have passed down to us and our passion is to pass these tools unto you. Please call us at 201-289-9181 or email at info at juliuswealthadvisors.com to take your first step to be empowered to live your best financial life. All right, welcome back. Let's talk about the second topic of 
football as we wrap up the final show of 2022. The Big Bo Show brought to you by Julius Wealth Advisors. Reach out if you have any questions or comments. Info at JuliusWealthAdvisors.com or visit our website, www.JuliusWealthAdvisors.com. So let's talk football. I'm actually going to switch it up and talk about football as we are in a World Cup season. The World Cup is here. Yesterday, Argentina advanced to the finals. We'll see what happens next. And I want to talk about this because I think it kind of relates in parallels to the world of finance. Because the U.S., which made it out of the uh, first round or the, the, the group round, we've never had a powerhouse team. Soccer, men's soccer, has never been a powerhouse sport in our country. And it got me thinking about why. Why is this? I've had these conversations with a few people. Like, why? I mean, listen, I've been alive for 40 years. And the U.S. men's soccer team, I've never, ever thought they had a chance of winning anything, whether it be the World Cup, the Olympics. It's just like, okay, great. We're there. We ain't winning. It's kind of how I feel about my Miami Dolphins. We're there. Who cares? Big deal. Go get it. We're not going to win. So I kind of wanted to understand this better. And I talked to some people about this. What I've summarized is that I feel that it is because of the fact that we don't get our children interested in the sport. And I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing. I'm personally not interested in soccer, but I also reconcile that back to my main point of that when I was younger, we had a lot of other sports to play, whether it be football or baseball or even basketball. I wasn't a big basketball player. Like I said earlier, I just mainly use my size and maybe a baby hook or a fadeaway jumper in the post. But besides that, not very good. So to me, this is one of the main reasons why we're not very good in the U.S. uh, in soccer relative to the rest of the world. Because in the U.S., we have so many other sports to choose from. Basketball, pretty easy to learn. Get a hoop in front of your house. Go to the local park. There's typically basketball hoops play some basketball, practice, baseball, same thing. Used to be America's pastime, that's kind of changing. Football, tough sport, not everyone can play it, but people are definitely interested. They're, they play it in, in the playgrounds today. Uh, I know that's the biggest sport my, my son plays at, at school. So you already have three sports for people to choose from, for, for, for kids to choose from. So when you're talking about soccer, it's like number four on the list. Will this ever change in our country? I don't know. If it, I would probably say no. And the reason why I would probably say no is because it's the same way I never really got into soccer. Because it's boring, frankly. And this was also validated as I was watching the World Cup with my son. My son got into the World Cup. All the kids in the school were talking about the World Cup. And we're sitting there and we're watching one of the games. And he's all into it. He's all into it and wants me to watch it. Within 10 minutes of the game, because 80% of soccer games are played in the middle of the field from what I've witnessed. I don't don't have any hard data on it. It's just my observations. He turns to me after 10 minutes and says, Dad, this is boring. You can change the channel. So that to me is the number one reason why I don't think soccer will ever be powerful in this country. It's the fourth choice for our children to play, and frankly, it's boring. 
And a lot of people might be upset with that comment, but that's just how I feel. It's fairly boring. Now, let's dovetail this into the world of finance and personal finance. As everyone knows, or if this is the first time you're listening to The Big Bo Show, I'm very passionate about teaching financial literacy to kids. This got me thinking about, well, how come we live in the wealthiest country in the world, but the people aren't wealthy? I've talked about these statistics in the past. Most people in this country live paycheck to paycheck. Only 9% of the adults in this country are have a net worth over a million dollars. And that number really hasn't increased. That percentage really hasn't increased in real terms post-inflation for 20 plus years. So thinking about soccer and finance and financial literacy, to me, it's the same issue. Is that we don't get our children interested in it at a young age. If we get our children interested in it at a young age, then it just becomes commonplace in our society and kids get interested in it. They want to learn about it. And then once they become adults, they already have this knowledge foundation for them to thrive. This is exactly what happened with me. I started learning about it when I was six, seven years old. My grandfather got me into it, got my first investment when I was 10. And I was able to build this knowledge since that young age when most adults, when I meet them and read about it, most adults first start learning about personal finances after they start getting their first job as an adult in their 20s. And then they make some mistakes in their 20s. They learn by mistake, wake up in their 30s. Maybe they want to take it serious then. Sometimes they wake up in their 40s. But if we start to learn about this at a young age, get kids excited about it, personal finance does not have to be like soccer in this country. Because the ramifications of our children not being into soccer, not that big of a deal for our country and our children. The ramifications of our children not understanding personal finances, in my opinion, that's huge. We cannot go one day without understanding money and finances. Whether you go to the store and you buy milk or you buy eggs, well, there's substitute products. Do you need to buy eggs that day? Do you need to buy milk? Can you buy a different type of milk? Again, these are simple concepts, substitute products. Oh, the cost of meat is high. Do you need to buy meat or can you buy chicken or can you buy fish? Again, you can't go one day in our country, I would argue any country, without dealing with money. Let's make personal finance not like soccer. Maybe I'll create a shirt that like that and say, personal finance is not like soccer. Let's teach our kids the right way. So again, let me take a quick break, come back and let's wrap up the third and final segment about food on episode 12 of the Big Bo Show, final episode of 2022. And here, sing a Hanukkah song is Adam Sandler. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, thanks very much. Um, well, uh, when, when I was a kid, uh, th- 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 this time of year always, always made me feel a little left out because uh, uh, in school there were so many Christmas songs, and all us Jewish kids had was the song "Dreidel, Dreidel, Dreidel," and uh, so uh, I wrote a brand new Hanukkah song for you Jewish kids to sing, and I hope you like it. <laughs> 
Hanukkah, here comes Hanukkah, so much Hanukkah to celebrate Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the festival of lights. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. All right, welcome back to the final segment of the final episode of 2022 for the Big Bow Show. Obviously, we're sitting here in the holiday season, and I thought I would do something fun to wrap up the first season and the holiday season of the Big Bow Show. I thought we'd go into my personal Mount Rushmore of holiday foods. All the holidays that go on throughout the year, my Mount Rushmore of holiday foods. So without further ado, here we go. On Mount Rushmore, don't forget folks, we got George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. So I will pair each of my favorite holiday foods with each one of these corresponding former presidents that are currently on Mount Rushmore. So the first one is George Washington. And my George Washington of holiday foods, of my favorite holiday foods, is Thanksgiving turkey. Now, why is that? Well, for me, whenever I hear about George Washington, I think of tradition. I think of America's tradition. First president of the United States of America. You ask anybody, any child, even ask me, I'm not into presidents, as we talked about before, I'm more into math and science. But even if you ask anyone, a fool like me, who the first president of the United States was, the answer is George Washington. Turkey is similar to that in the sense that you ask anybody what you eat on Thanksgiving, they're going to say turkey. Now, this brings up a whole other conversation of is turkey the right food to be eaten, but it's very traditional. It's very Americana. So that's why I'm going with turkey as my George Washington of holiday foods. Now let's move on to Thomas Jefferson, one of the founding fathers of our country as well. And Thomas Jefferson, very hardy individual when we're founding this country a lot of tears a lot of strength was needed battles and to create this country when i think about that earthiness hardy strength yet tears i think about parsley dipping parsley in salt water during the holiday of passover i'm gonna go with parsley an earthy, hearty food. I'm not a big fan of eating parsley, but you need that earthiness, that strength, and you need to dip it into the salt water to remind us of the tears and the strength that was needed during a time of Passover, getting out of Egypt for the, for the Jewish people, and Thomas Jefferson, the strength that was needed to found our country. So that's the Thomas Jefferson of the Mount Rushmore of foods for the holidays. The next, we'll go into Theodore Roosevelt. Now, when I think of a Roosevelt, and probably most people think of a Roosevelt, you don't think of Theodore or Teddy, if you will. You think of FDR. So thinking about Theodore Roosevelt, with no disrespect to him, I kind of think to myself, like, why did he make it to Mount Rushmore? You have people will know who Thomas Jefferson is, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. 
But Theodore Roosevelt, not the first Roosevelt I think about. So I parallel this with one of my favorite holiday foods that probably no one else would think about would be a great holiday food, and that's lasagna. So where does lasagna come into the holiday food, you might be asking? Exactly what I was thinking about when I thought about Theodore Roosevelt on on Mount Rushmore. But lasagna for me has two great memories. Number one, my wife always makes lasagna every single year on New Year's, New Year's holiday, celebrating the new year. We eat meat lasagna every single New Year's as a tradition in my family. And also, when I was younger, I used to go over my friend's house for Thanksgiving meals when I was in high school. And his mother used to make the best lasagna you'll probably ever taste in your life, outside of my wife's, of course. But again, who would ever think you'd have lasagna on Thanksgiving? So that's why, again, Theodore Roosevelt, why is he on Mount Rushmore? Lasagna, why is that on your holiday table? So lasagna is my Mount Rushmore Theodore Roosevelt of holiday foods. And then the final piece of Mount Rushmore, the last person that we haven't named yet is Abraham Lincoln. So when I think of Abraham Lincoln, I think of swagger. Someone that was brave enough to fight and win the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln also signed the Emancipation Proclamation, which many people thought was a miracle at the time that he can get this done. So when I think of my holiday food that is similar to Abraham Lincoln, I think of latkes on Hanukkah, potato latkes. It was a miracle. Well, why do we eat latkes? Because it was a miracle. The, the oil lasted eight nights. The oil lasted eight nights to have, allow us to have eight crazy nights of Hanukkah. So that was a miracle. And then you also think about swagger. To me, latkes have swagger. They're oily they're salty. You can eat them with sour cream. You can eat them with applesauce. I don't know anyone that doesn't like a latke. So to summarize it, we have George Washington as a Thanksgiving turkey, parsley as Thomas Jefferson, lasagna as Theodore Roosevelt, and potato latkes as the Abraham Lincoln to wrap up my Mount Rushmore of holiday foods. So with all this said, I wish everybody a happy holiday season. Happy New Year. Looking forward to bigger and better things in 2023 with Julius Wealth Advisors and the Big Bow Show. Any questions, comments, feel free to always reach out. Info at JuliusWealthAdvisors.com. JuliusWealthAdvisors.com is the website as well. Jason Blumstein, CEO and founder of Julius Wealth Advisors and the Big Bow Show. Happy holidays. In 2023, don't forget to always continue to live a life of integrity, a life of knowledge, and always live a life that you're passionate about. Until 2023, all the best. Thank you for tuning into the Big Bow Show. Cause we're harnessing the power that is
Julius Wealth Advisors.